Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, October 5th, and we start with local news. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee and Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner Stuart C. McWhorter announced yesterday SGB Enterprises Incorporated will invest $1.7 million to relocate its headquarters and expand its design and manufacturing operations in Tennessee. Through the project, SGB will create 41 new jobs in Columbia. The move will position SGB in closer proximity to its primary customer base across the southeast and will be a driving force in allowing SGB to expand its products and services for the commercial and military simulation training sectors. Founded over 30 years ago, SGB Enterprises Incorporated specializes in designing and manufacturing procedural training systems, flight simulators, maintenance trainers, and other simulated avionics and control components for the aerospace industry. SGB will more than double its employment by expanding to Tennessee. Since 2019, the Tennessee Economic and Community Development Department has supported nearly 15 economic development projects in Murray County, resulting in approximately 3,500 job commitments and $4.8 billion in capital investment. Tennessee's unmatched workforce and strong business climate continue to attract top-notch companies to our state. I thank SGB for its decision to relocate to Tennessee and look forward to the opportunities these 41 new jobs will create for Tennesseans across Murray County, Governor Bill Lee said. Commissioner Stuart McWhorter said, We are proud to partner with SGB as the company relocates its headquarters and expands its manufacturing in Tennessee. Our state is home to top research and development assets, which, when combined with our strong background in manufacturing, will create the perfect climate to support companies like SGB in the aerospace industry. We are very excited about our expansion as Columbia is just a short drive up I-65 from our largest customer, said Joe Padula, president and CEO of SGB Enterprises. The decision to relocate our headquarters in Tennessee is strategic and significant for our company and our core customers. Tennessee, Murray County, and the City of Columbia offer a skilled and talented workforce, great resources for manufacturing, and a supportive business environment that will allow us to continue to grow and to evolve our product and service offerings, he said. Millions of dollars in federal funding are coming to the city of Spring Hill thanks to continued efforts by the city of Spring Hill Fire Administration. On Monday, the Spring Hill Board of Mayor and Aldermen approved Resolution 23200 to accept the Staffing for Adequate Fire and Emergency Response, or SAFER, grant awarded by the Federal Emergency Management Association, or FEMA. Spring Hill Fire Administration applied for the $3.1 million grant back in March and was awarded the grant on September 15th. The purpose of the SAFER grant program is to provide funding directly to fire departments to assist in increasing the number of firefighters to help communities meet industry minimum standards and attain 24-hour staffing to provide adequate protection from fire and fire-related hazards and to fulfill traditional missions of fire departments. With the award of this much-needed SAFER grant, Spring Hill Fire Department will operate more safely and efficiently by increasing and maintaining a minimum staffing of four persons on each fire apparatus, which meets national standards and industry best practices, said Spring Hill Fire Chief Greg Temple. The $3.1 million grant will cover all pay and benefits for 13 newly hired firefighters during the operational period. This is projected to cover the current staffing deficit 
within the department. During the month of October, the Murray County Public Library will host a symposium on different aspects of the Duck River. The Duck River's 284 miles flow through seven Middle Tennessee counties and is the largest river, longest river rather, in the United States that is contained entirely in one state. National Geographic has stated that the Duck River is one of the most biodiverse rivers in the world. 50 species of freshwater mussels and 151 different fish species make the Duck River their home. On October 17th at 6 p.m., Doug Murphy, executive director of Duck River Agency, and Jonathan Harden, interim president and CEO of Columbia Power and Water Systems, will discuss water conservation as it relates to Murray and neighboring counties. Dr. Amanda Rosenberger will be speaking about the variety of freshwater life in the Duck River at 6 p.m. on October 24th. There will also be a display featuring different aspects of the river. TWRA has made fishing equipment sets available to those 16 and under. A door prize of a float trip on the Duck River will be drawn at each program. The Spring Hill Board of Mayor and Aldermen voted this week on the latest updates to the city's proposed urban growth boundary for the first time in more than 20 years. The subject of updating the urban growth boundary, or UGB, which is required to be updated every 20 years, has spawned different opinions over the last few months, especially by property owners wishing not to be included. This includes areas east of I-65 and northwest of the Spring Hill city limits. Though the requests were approved, they will go not go into effect until being reviewed by the Williamson County UGB committee, who is also considering areas of Thompson Station. The process initially began in October of 2021. The requests were to consider removing all areas east of I-65 and a portion of the northwest quadrant after citizens expressed concerns at multiple meetings, many in fear that the changes could lead to annexation. However, the UGB updates would not enact any annexation unless requested by the property owners. They want to remain rural in the county, and they feel like Spring Hill is setting them up to take their property for eminent domain to build an airport and roadways, Williamson County Commissioner Judy Herbert said. Spring Hill residents have complained about the overdevelopment and traffic, and expanding this UGB will create even more. Most cities are only allowing a small amount of the UGB addition, and you all can do that too, she said. Henry Hafner, a property owner with farmland off Owl Hollow Road, also expressed concerns for future development in the area, and that while the UGB does not guarantee annexation, it won't stop developers from pressuring landowners. This is a rural area, and these are generational farms. My family has lived here for almost 70 years, Hafner said. We don't want to be in the line of fire of predatory developers and surrounded any more than we already are by development. We encourage that you listen to the voices of the citizens, he said. After multiple other citizens spoke Monday, the Board of Mayor and Alderman's decision mainly consisted of considering multiple options, with some removing portions of the proposed UGB. This was the option that seemed to be most in agreement with the citizens' requests while also providing an update. Alderman Matt Fitterer said when it comes to worries of eminent domain, that could be a possibility with or without the UGB status. He also reiterated the fact that annexation could not be possible without the property owner's consent per state law. We have absolutely no ability as a city to annex property without the property owner's consent, Fitterer said. 
We have donut holes in the middle of Spring Hill, surrounded on all four sides by city property, where county residents utilize our roads, utilize our public services, our parks, our library. They get first responders from us through mutual aid. If we had the ability to annex, we would have annexed those donut holes years ago, he said. The final votes approved by the Board of Mayor and Aldermen were first to remove a portion of the eastern UGB area, but to include areas south of the existing city limits extending to Lewisburg Pike. This is with the intent to manage associated growth and development for future road alignments in association with June Lake Boulevard and the new I-65 interchange. The second resolution regarding the northwest portion was to significantly reduce the proposed UGB, but not entirely, with the bulk of the area remaining rural Williamson County land. The Spring Hill Planning Commission discussed proposals for a future mixed-use development on Wall Street at its most current, most recent study session that included on-street parking along Wall Street and up to 180 residential units atop 49,830 square feet of commercial space off Fitz Street. City staff noted the number of residential units would exceed both what the code allows and previous Planning Commission approvals, but Greg Gamble of Gamble Design noted the commission has approved higher density in similar areas in the past. You have approved density in context, and this is one location that the context makes sense. Your zoning ordinance set it up this way, and we're following that prescription. We believe that we have a successful plan that staff can support and get behind, Gamble said. The city approved 13 units per acre at Port Royal Commercial and South Point Square, but the maximum density allowed in the city is 18 units per square in the R7 zone. Planning Commission Chairperson Liz Droke said she was concerned about the density, mainly due to the additional strain that number of cars would put on Main Street. When I think about multiple cars for 180 units, that makes my chest hurt. When I think about what that's going to do to Main Street in the middle of town— I would hope for maybe one-fourth of that in residential units to be able to get behind this, she said. I don't have a problem with mixed use in the area, but right now, it's just too much, she said. The design included on-street parking as part of the plan along Wall Street, but city staff balked at the idea because, as currently constructed, the collector road is essentially being utilized as an alternative route for Main Street drivers. I understand Mr. Gamble's approach to creating traffic calming and creating a pedestrian intensive activity. I would ask you to consider if Wall Street in this sort of heavy commercialized strip of the city is the kind of environment that you want to create. City Administrator Pam Kasky, speaking on behalf of Public Works Director Tyler Scroggins, said, There are reasons for those situations to be used like that, to take a road that is being used heavily as an arterial road almost and try to turn it into something that, while desirable, I think is an issue, she said. While the city awaits the return of US-31 to the state's upgrade plan list, the city does not want to mitigate traffic flow in the few places available to help with congestion. I don't care how long we wait for a Highway 31. We'd all like for it to be done already. It's probably not going to be done for about five years or so. We need to maintain every bit of alternative traffic patterns that we can get, Kasky said. Gamble said he did not intend to fight city staff on the issue, but noted the city's own plans do call for that type of development. We don't have any intentions to fight staff on this issue. We want that on-street parking. We know that on-street parking provides traffic calming in an area where we want to encourage pedestrian activity, Gamble said. Your ordinance and land use plan talks a lot about that. On-street parking helps promote sustainability for those commercial uses that are on the ground floor. If it's the Planning Commission's opinion that the parking spaces need to be taken off, 
We'll take them off the plan. No problem. Caskey added, We would discourage pedestrian activity and discourage the kind of development that would support pedestrian activity in this location. Gamble, however, said the idea of the C4 zoning is something he and other developers are excited about using to create a sense of community within otherwise commercialized areas. We, as planners, are excited about using your new zoning ordinance to achieve these true mixed-use developments that bring vibrancy and create placemaking opportunities in Spring Hill. We believe this location is an excellent opportunity to do that, he said. That's what the zoning ordinance was designed to do in the C4 district, he said. Join the Well Outreach this Saturday, October 7th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. for their Whole Hog Festival. This is Spring Hill's largest community festival. It's a great day and fun for all ages, plus all proceeds go to support the Well Outreach Food Pantry, feeding local families in need. Have fun and help your community all at the same time. There's something for everyone, including a huge kid zone with all free activities, an antique tractor show, a regional crafts fair, a petting zoo, a children's circus, great live music all day long, plus lots of yummy pork-themed food. Tickets are $5 per person with children 5 and under free and are available at the door. Please join the Well Outreach from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday, October 7th at Oaklawn Mansion, located at 3331 Denning Lane in Spring Hill, for a great family-friendly day. The South Central Extension team will be conducting a farmland legacy workshop. The two-night workshop will be held October 17th and October 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Southern Tennessee Higher Education Center at the Columbia State Community College campus in Lawrenceburg. That's at 169 Southern Tennessee Lane in Lawrenceburg. Farmland legacy workshops are designed primarily to assist farm families with estate planning, to provide for an orderly succession of farm properties, and maintain family farms for future generations. However, the classes are open to anyone interested in estate planning. Qualified experts, including estate planning attorneys, extension specialists, and other professionals, will conduct the workshop. The cost for the program is $25 per person or $40 per couple, and meals will be provided both nights. Participants will also receive a workbook and publications to help them get started in estate planning. For more information and to register, contact the UT Extension Office at 931-762-5506 or visit tiny.utk.edu forward slash farmland legacy workshop. Folks dressed up and gathered together to celebrate Oktoberfest last Friday at Columbia's Riverside Park. Featured events included dog races, keg tosses, as well as food vendors and live music. The festival, now in its fourth year, serves as one of the largest fundraisers for Columbia's local Room in the Inn nonprofit, which ho- provides housing, food, and transitional programs for the homeless and their families. Founder Pastor Jeff Kane said he has enjoyed seeing the festival grow year after year and that it can now be hosted in a public park. Funds from the festival have also helped pave the way for Room in the Inn's goal to open its own permanent shelter, which Kane said is in the final stages of hopefully opening off Maple Ash Avenue in Columbia later this year. It's awesome that we've been able to keep this going for four years, and the turnout, the atmosphere, and camaraderie is just so exciting. People believe in this ministry and our mission to help out, Pastor Kane said. I wait all year for this event, and we've had a great night, beautiful weather, and we always work hard to make this fun for everyone, he said. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. 
Gary Wayne Poe, 73, a musician, entertainer, and resident of Columbia, died Saturday, September 30th at Murray Regional Medical Center. Funeral services will be conducted on Friday at 3 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home with Reverend Jeff Kane officiating. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. and Friday from 2 p.m. until service time at the funeral home. Alvin Moore, 94, passed away on September 29th at his home in Columbia. Mr. Moore was a longtime employee of Tennessee Farm Bureau. A memorial service will be conducted on Saturday, October 21st at 2 p.m. at First United Methodist Church with Reverend Tommy Van and Reverend Frank Smith officiating. The family will visit with friends on Saturday from 12 p.m. until service time at the church. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours, and we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia, since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have cloudy skies today with showers likely. The high will be 77 degrees with winds out of the south-southwest at 10 to 15 miles per hour. The chance of rain, 60%. Tonight, we can expect overcast skies with rain showers at times. The low will be 62 with a 60% chance of overnight rain. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. 
more high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. And now the best man. Uh, I was going to plan this speech out while I got my oil change, but I went to take five and it was a lot faster than I thought. So here it goes. Okay. Tim, you were my first friend. Angela, you were my first. (laughs) Yeah, I never thought the two of you would make it, but I guess love really is blind. No, no, no. I mean in a good way. At Take 5, your oil change is faster than you think. Take 5, the stay in your car 10-minute oil change. Deciding what your next home will look like, cost in construction, or timing can be intimidating. At The Way Realty, our licensed general contractors help take the fear out of home building by walking you through the step-by-step process of estimating the cost and designing the look that you desire. You can even stay in your house until your new house is finished. Do you have a family farm or a piece of land you would like to build on? Our prices start at $195 a square foot and include brick and nice finishes. Come by our office and see what we can do for you at 800 Hatcher Lane in Columbia or call us at 931-580-4669. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7. This program is sponsored in part by George Vrelis and the great team at The Way Realty. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Tennessee Representative Justin Jones, a Democrat from Nashville, sued the state and House Speaker Cameron Sexton on Tuesday, alleging the House Republican efforts to expel Jones last spring and enact new rules to limit debate during the August special session were unconstitutional and illegal. 
House Republicans expelled Jones and his freshman colleague, Representative Justin Pearson, a Democrat from Memphis, in April after the two broke House rules and mounted brief gun reform chants on the chamber floor. The pair were frustrated with a lack of legislative action in the wake of the Covenant school shooting just days before, in which six people were killed. Jones was quickly reappointed to his seat by the Nashville Metro Council, and he later easily won re-election. The Nashville Democrat now argues the expulsion robbed him of committee assignments and washed out his legislative tenure of a few months, which could affect his standing for benefits in the Tennessee retirement system. Jones also argues he was forced to spend $70,000 and resources to mount a second election campaign after his expulsion. The lawsuit also alleges the expulsion proceedings violated the 14th Amendment as they lacked due process. Though the expulsion proceedings were legislative in nature and not a judicial process, Jones's lawsuit argues the time period between his expulsion notice on April 3rd and the expulsion hearings on April 6th deprived him of adequate time and resources to prepare a proper defense. The lawsuit states the House was acting in a judicial capacity during the expulsion and argues the proceedings were, quote, rigged against them from the start, unquote. In the lawsuit filed in federal court in Nashville, Jones also alleges the new rules established in the special session are unconstitutional. Republicans adopted the rules over the objections of Democrats as lawmakers began a contentious session over public safety issues in the wake of the March Covenant School shooting. The rules allowed the House to block a lawmaker from speaking in committees and on the House floor if they caused a substantial disruption or, quote, impugn the reputation, unquote, of another House member. The new rules also banned members of the public from carrying signs in House galleries and committee meetings, which has long been allowed. The rules sparked major controversy and roiled public opinion within days as members of the public and mothers advocating for increased gun safety regulations were kicked out of committee meeting for carrying signs. House Republicans, who hold a supermajority in the chamber, also later voted to silence Jones after Sexton ruled he had twice spoken out of order. The vote moved the Democratic caucus to walk off the floor en masse and protest that they viewed what they viewed as an unequitable application of the rules Republicans established and wield with little oversight. The Chief Justice of the Tennessee Supreme Court said this week the state must raise the reimbursement rate for attorneys who represent impoverished defendants. Chief Justice Holly Kirby said Tuesday the court would seek legislative budget funding and to support an $80 hourly reimbursement rate for attorneys in the coming year, though at least one attorney said the changes fall short of fixing endemic issues within Tennessee's indigent defense system. The Tennessean in September reported the state's rate, the lowest in the nation, has squeezed Tennessee's judicial system to a breaking point as judges struggle to find attorneys to appoint to case that lawyers are hesitant to take on. People who can't afford an attorney have a constitutional right to legal representation, but Tennessee lawyers say they are now losing money defending clients for an hourly rate that has only been raised $20 in the last 42 years. Nearly half of all indigent cases involve families in child welfare and juvenile court, according to the Administrative Court Office of Courts. Davidson County Juvenile Court Judge Stella Colloway stated last month juvenile courts struggle to keep up with federally mandated case schedules as court staff scramble to convince attorneys to take on cases. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Cheekwood Estate and Gardens has announced that its annual Holiday Lights festivities will return on November 18th. Lights will run through January 7th, and tickets go on sale October 16th. More than one million lights will be on display throughout the grounds. This year's Holiday Lights is better than ever, Cheekwood President and CEO Jane McLeod said in a release. Each year we add a little something new while still offering the traditional displays our guests have come to know and love. An equally festive experience awaits guests inside the historic mansion where this year's theme of candy canes and gingerbread will bring cheer to visitors of all ages, she said. For more information, including ticket packages, you can visit www.cheekwood.org. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on Kennedy Broadcasting WKOM WKRM Radio. If you ever miss a part or all of this broadcast, you can listen to it anytime or read the transcript online by visiting frontporchradiotn.com. It's always there for you. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day. <laughs>